All right, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Man, I am so glad to see all of you in this bright and cheery new year. And uh, how many of you are dying from cedar fever? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have uh, $25 eye drops that, to prove that every day I got to put them in my eyeballs. And without them, I am a crying, weepy person. Okay. Well, I'm so glad that all of you guys are here. One of the things that we love to do, if you're new, is we love Pastor Plex's podcast. If you didn't know, I'm Pastor Plex, and uh, the one reason why we love it is not because I'm on it. It's actually because Katie's on it. Katie Sass is on it, uh, and we uh, have questions, but we, we, the fodder for the stuff that we talk about comes from you, so text this number that is on the screen, and we will remain, keep it on the screen all throughout the rest of the talk. And we now have almost 200 downloads a week. This is, we're, we're almost to the point of saying we have hundreds of listeners. Uh, so very soon that's going to happen. I'll let you know when you can say that. All right. Um, we are in a series called Imago Day. And so I think we've learned, it, the good news is I put it here for you, image of God. In case you were wondering, it's Latin. The Latin word for uh, God is Deo, all right? And then when you put a day and put an I instead of an O, it makes it possessive. Huh? Huh? You have learned nothing else. You can say you've learned something about possessive form of the word Deo in Latin. That's a win. And what we, talk, we talked last week that cre- the culmination of creation was human beings, that God made um, male and female, and then he blesses them, then he sits back, takes a load off, and then rests because it's that great and that awesome. He put his image in you. And so therefore, you have intrinsic value. And that's what we talked about last week. Now, what happens, and so I want to make sure that we get this clear, is that if you have intrinsic value, if God loves you and values you, then he has something for you to do. I, I know this is sort of shocking that he didn't just, I, there's kind of two ways to think about it. He might like put you back on the shelf, like a really cool antique that he likes to look at and show his friends every now and then. Uh, or it's like your Shamu and you've been, you know, reintroduced to the wild and go and be free and do things. And that's not what God has decided to do with us, but rather he has wanted to invest his time. He has a purpose and a job for every single one of us. And everybody wants to ask that question, what is it? And I have, there's in general, people when they're not living for God's purpose, they say different stuff. It comes out of their mouth, maybe not intentionally. Uh, But here's just stuff people say, and uh, I made this up. So if this resonates with you, it's not because I repeated something you said to somebody, I promise. Um, There's this, and I get this a lot. I don't know what I'm here for. You know when I usually get this? It's usually in a text in between midnight and five. And uh, it's usually when somebody may have had a couple beverages, too adult-like, and too many. And it's, listen, I, I'm on do not disturb, don't worry about me. All right, do not, that's kind of my job, that's kind of my job. But what happens is, it usually comes after, like, marriage is really struggling, or when they're single, they, they, got, they got broken up with, and then, man, the, the first question is, what am I supposed to do, usually to get them back? And then after that, like, they realize that's not happening, Then it goes to, what am I here for? Because my circumstances have derailed my purpose. My circumstances have totally ripped apart all the things I thought I was here for, and so now I'm struggling, and I'm alone, and I'm empty. Okay, That's that's something that people say. And here's another one. Um, 
Now, this didn't go over well outside service because nobody knew this quote, and I was like, like beside myself. But ready? Let's see if I, we have a... I'm, I'm, I believe in the, in, in the first inside service, 9 a.m. service, because you guys get up early. You want to be inside. Here we go. Where does this uh, phrase come from? I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. Invictus. Th- thank you. I was, I was, I was, it was embarrassing first service. All right, sorry. All right. So I'm, what this means is like in every entrepreneur, this is like they own this statement. And it's like, I don't care what happens. I'm going to do it. I'm going to achieve it. Come whatever comes against me. I'm going to be victorious. I keep thinking of Matthew Damon whenever I read this part you know, from the movie Invictus. But then there's also the poem Invictus. There's just so many great times this, this phrase comes up. The problem with this is it puts you in charge. And here's what happens. When someone does uh, reach the pinnacle of their career, what's next? There's this big, like, I, I just remember for me when I got my Ranger tab, it was like the pinnacle of army things. And all of a sudden I go, this is it? Like, nobody cares. Uh, when, you know, when you, let's say you win the Super Bowl, what's left? I guess more Super Bowls. And then you turn 50 and you're still trying to play. <laughs> like, the reality is, like, we, we, we kind of put this thing where I've got to have something to go and get. And it's like almost if I don't have an obstacle or a barrier, then I don't have a purpose. Okay, and then, or how about this? How about this? And this may be a lot of us, and I don't, there's no judgment here. I just know that this is just how people roll. It's we say this a lot. I just work here. Like, stop. (laughs) I just want to live my life with as little as people, as little as possible, people being angry with me, people expecting me, expecting anything out of me. Listen, because you run with your crowd, if you run with the crowd that got a vaccine, you probably got a vaccine. If you run the crowd that didn't get a vaccine, you probably didn't get a vaccine. You didn't want to go and investigate it for yourself because, gosh, you know, there's a lot more smarter people out there than you. That's one of the things you always say. And so why would I even try? Or, uh, in, in fact, this is probably your high school life. You were friends with the nerds, and you were friends with the jocks, and you were friends with the band geeks, and you were friends with uh, the theater drama people, and you could be whoever you needed to be with whoever you were with at the time. And you prided yourself on that. And it's either because you had unbelievable diplomatic skills or B, because you're a chameleon, you never really knew who you were. Okay, and so what happens is you now make it through life just trying not to make people angry. And so, boy, that gets to be exhausting. And that's probably why in your marriage, you're just always wondering why you're the doormat. Okay, that is, that's, that's another sermon, another time. We'll, we'll keep moving on that. And so this morning, I want you to realize that you are purposed by God for something really great, really great. And I want us to be those who would uh, push into the darkness and bring out what God has for us to reveal to the whole you guys got that? All right, that's where we're going. We are going to be in Genesis chapter 1 again. I'm excited for that. And we're going to pick up where we left off. But before we do, would you guys mind praying with me, asking God to bless the reading and proclamation of his word? Father, thank you. We know that you are in complete control and you are in charge. And so, Lord, um, this morning, I know there's a lot of people here that have, they've been searching for purpose. And 
they've accidentaled their way through life um, by not making decisions that have been intentional and just maybe say, listen, I just work here. Or maybe they just have been so intentional, they've been so driven, they've run over everyone around them, they haven't realized the, the wake of pain they've caused in their past. Or God, they're just drowning. And it just feels like relationship after relationship feels them uh, feeling less purpose and more failure and more failure makes them feel less purpose and less purpose. God, what could you possibly do with me? So Lord, I pray that this morning you would speak clearly and, and call people up from sub-purposes to something that's far greater that you have for them that's to live for you. So Lord, we love you and we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. All right, we're in Genesis chapter one. We're starting verse 28. And this is, so last week really hammered 27. And so it ends with 28, and God blessed them. I love that. God blesses people and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion of the over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the every living thing that moves on the earth I want to focus real quick though on be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth now remember we talked we said last week we were made in God's image so that means that Usually when people read this, they're like, well, that means have lots of babies, and therefore if you can't have lots of babies, then, well, this doesn't apply. No, not true. Not, not true. But rather, God purposed people to take his image global. God purposed people to take his image global. And all the time, people don't want to go global because that's inconvenient. And so here it is. Um, the reason is, is because God won his image. And we talked about this last week that uh, in the ancient and Eastern culture, uh, you would have idols made of metal or wood or, or stone, and it would represent the God of the mountains or the God of the plains or the God of the valleys. And so wherever you lived, uh, you would have your little God and you would worship said God because if you could worship that God, it was kind of like a beacon device of some sort. Maybe it was like Alexa and he would kind of tune in, hone into your God and you'd worship the God. The God would be like, okay, I'll give you that. You worship my God. Rain or children or food or whatever the thing was. It was like a bizarre sense of uh, the technology of the day was I worship my metal uh, thing. Now, what happened is that God mocks that over and over. You guys know that? Like, if there's one, God, you know, sometimes we think of God as nice. God's not nice. He's constantly mocking people that do that stuff. Like, it's not even like, he's like, oh my gosh, you're going to get that piece of wood to talk to you? You know, like, that God thinks that's funny. But what he does, what he, what he does is, like, he sets up images all over the planet that are better than wood, stone, or metal. And what is it? It's us. Okay. It's us. Now, don't get it that we're supposed to, what is always messed up is people start worshiping other people, hence, like, American Idol literally is that. But um, that, the, the heart is, is, like, we don't worship one another. We are representative of his rule and his reign. And we kind of mentioned this last week. It's kind of like uh, if you go to downtown uh, Austin or somewhere, any downtown neighborhood, where gangs sort of are doing drug deals, okay? Let's just go down this way. So you see, like, I put up my gangster little place that says i have rule and i have reign over this territory right Right. am i right if you mess with this tag what happens it's over for you right because that is a personal offense to that specific gang am i right 
Watch this, watch this. God takes it personally when his image is wounded. God takes it personally. No, 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 think about this. You are his tag to say, this is my territory, my rule, and you mess with my tag, you mess with me. God takes it personal. And and this is why I need you to hear this, is that um, God has this, it's greater, that he has even a greater purpose for to glorify himself throughout all the earth, and he uses us to do it in that way. Now watch, I want to show a couple psalms to sort of kind of bring this idea to light. Watch this. Psalm 8. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name. Like your name is famous in all the earth. Why? How do we know that? Because there's people in it. All right? You have set your glory above the heavens. Okay? So your glory that the people can behold is in the heavens. And also out of the mouth of babies and infants, okay, so it doesn't matter how tall or small you are, out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength. These are all of like your territory, your people, your land, your everything is represented even by the smallest of people. Okay, so this is why we go to even the smallest, even the most marginalized, even the people that you would think that person doesn't have value, and so therefore I can treat them as I want. No, no, that person has value to God and is establishing his strength. And then it has this interesting piece. Because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. Well, who would that be if God is in complete control? We'll get to that in a sec, but a special hint is that what happens when the images of God rebel against the king and declare war. But it's his, 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 um, his rule isn't just over outer space uh, to uh, all the earth, but it's inner space. Look at this. Uh, you have formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. So even inside the womb, God is declaring that is his territory. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So inside the womb, from inner space to outer space, God's realm, God's territory. And if you mess with his image, whether it's inside the womb, outside the womb, then you are messing with God himself. And here, in fact, what God says about that um, is that when we want to go to Noah, he's going to say something to Noah. Watch this. Because if, if that's true, that God's image, his tag is on the earth, and if you mess with that, you mess with God. Because this isn't just a before the fall thing, it's an after the fall. So Noah, God says to Noah the same thing, be fruitful and multiply. Everyone's like down with that. And then also, uh, he goes to this and he says, you, your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast. Your lifeblood, your life. If someone hurts you, it's good, they're going to mess with me. I will acquire it from man. For his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And this gets hard. When you, this, this is the reality, because what happened with people? Because this is after the fall, and we started taking God's image, God's imagers, and we started to devalue them in order that we might be more valued, 
We started to look at others, and we judged them by the color of skin. We judged them by uh, the amount of money that they had, the fact that they were in a womb or out of the side of a womb. We, we judged that, and then we acted upon that as one who was taking God and saying, I'm declaring war on you by hurting or harming or devaluing your image. Do you see that? Now, this is the part of it where if, and I need you to hear me, because what I would just said is pretty heavy stuff. Like God values people and he takes it personal when you hurt them. God takes it personal. And here's the problem. Every one of you has been hurt. So you've been in the victim category, but then you've also hurt someone else. So that leaves us in this precarious spot that at some point, we're going to have to receive some sort of judgment in that. And what I want us to see is that, that Jesus came. This is the good news. This is why we sing the songs. Because the way you treated people was not okay. The way you treated your spouse was not okay. The way you treated someone from a, a different race in your past when you made that joke and you thought that was funny, that was not okay. The way that we, the view of abortion, that's not okay. That's not right. That's not holy. That is not okay. But God, watch this. But God, but God, he came. He came. And he took all the liars and all the abusers and all the murderers and all the darkness of our sin and he lived the life we could not live. Look at this to me. He was the perfect representation of the image of God. He had no sin. And then he died on the cross. The perfectly innocent took on all of the guilt and the shame. And this is why when you confess, Jesus, you are Lord, you're saying, and you, you believe that God raised him from the dead, you're saying, you took my sins away, and you're free. And there is no more debt to be paid because Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all for all the times you wounded somebody, all the times you hurt somebody, every time you defaced the image of God, every time you put a, try to put another tag on somebody, Jesus said, no, no, I, I got that. I forgive that. And we're going to redeem that. And that becomes essential for us as Christians to move this forward because God's image is going to be going forward through us even though we are broken. And I wanted you to kind of hear that in my heart and that is like, jump into the forgiveness of who Jesus is because if you don't, you're always going to be trying to sort of look around and figure out who you're doing just a little bit better than. Back to Genesis 1. God blessed them, said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. So rule. Now, here's what's interesting about this. And I, can we do some uh, Hebrew fun words? You guys ready for another Hebrew word? All right, the word subdue. Now, uh, every woman I've ever asked never knew what this word meant. A lot of men have known this. So women, ready? Here we go. The word is kabosh. Does anybody know what the word kabosh means? Yeah, men know what this word means. Why is it? It's because what you do to your opposing team, you kabosh them, you crush them. All right, so what it, what it means is to conquer or enslave, which you're like, oh, wow, that's a really fun word. Uh, and, it, and so it's kind of come down through the Yiddish, and it's kind of made a re- revitalization, and then it died about 1970. So anybody over the age 
Uh, anybody under the age of 40 probably has no idea what that is, okay? So just, that just always dates people. All right, so kibosh means to conquer and slave, right? So what he's saying is, take the land, take the animals, conquer them. Go and use the resources that God has put on this earth for the good of humanity. Now, at this point, there was no, like, killing of animals, uh, and so everybody was vegan, which is just really depressing in many ways, but that was sort of the way that earth was, we entered into that of a vegan sort of a lifestyle, and it wasn't until after the fall that God said, all right, you can eat anything you want. In fact, to uh, Noah in Genesis 9, says, hey, you can kill any living thing you want. There was no kosher law at that point. All right, so here is subdue it. You're going to have to conquer it. You're going to have to tame it. And what does that really mean? I, maybe I felt like this was better. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden, and told him to work it and keep it. Probably subdue means to work it, cultivate the ground and keep it. But here's something neat. Did you know that work came before the fall? That work isn't a product of, like, sin. No, God designed you to work. That's a beautiful thing. Working is great. How, hallelujah, that work is a before-the-fall thing, and it's how you are to represent God in this world because God works six days, then he rested. So you are to work six days, and then you rest. Okay. Now, what's really awesome about this, God didn't do, after he worked for six days and rested, he then goes into manager, managerial role, right? In other words, God purposed people to rule earth by proxy. And we don't understand this word proxy because, well, who uses the word proxy? Unless you're voting for a stock thing, then you have to vote by proxy because who has ever time to be at one of those? All right, so God purposed people to rule earth by proxy. And you know what this means um, because um, you have, some of you have children. Or, or if not, nothing else, you've been a child, okay? And um, this is how it goes before we take the kids to grandma's house, all right? It goes something like this. All right, guys, come, bring it in, bring it in. All right, number one, no screaming. Number two, no burping. Number three, no farting or talking about farting. If we can do that, you can represent as well. You are standing in for me as you're representing the family when you go to grandma's house. All right, you, got, you got that. We, we, we have to have some sort of like civilized moving you out because you're representing me. And so what, what God is doing is, is he purposed people to rule earth by proxy. We stand in as his representatives. We are here representing him. And this is what's really huge for this. And this is parents, this is sort of like the scary part, right? The, the really, the reality is when you, however you represent God to your children, they're either going to have to overcome that or be blessed by it. <laughs> Let me watch this, ready? ready? However it is that you raise your children, they are gonna either going to be blessed by it or they're going to have to overcome it. And here's what I mean by that. When you get angry and you unleash on them, then they, they learn that God's really angry. Okay, listen, when it comes to my sin, I hide it as much as possible. I don't ever confess that because if I were to confess it, then, you know, all hell will break loose. Uh, or if you, you never discipline, just give, you didn't just give them whatever they want. Then they go around going like, God, why didn't you give me? Why didn't you give me their whole life? Because you gave them whatever they wanted, whatever they wanted. When you don't help meet needs, basic needs of emotional, then they look at God and they're like, you know, I can't. I mean, he's got nothing for me. I've got to find it somewhere else because I had, 
I mean, I had someone who was supposed to love me all the time and provide for me all those things, and they sort of took a, an early exit. And so we understand that. And this is the reality. The, God purposed people to rule earth by proxy, and then the fall happened, and that's why we have what we have. Because the image of God was marred. Now, it wasn't completely destroyed. It's just messed up. It's still the image of God. It might be a tag. It's just a bad tag. It's like, ah, man, there, there was great art there. And then there's that one flaw that kind of... And people in their sinful state no longer stand for the king, but they stand for themselves. And that's why we have war. And we declare war on each other because we're no longer representing the king. God. Does that make sense? We're representing our own kingdom. And so the battle starts. And so I need to make sure that I'm no longer representing somebody else's kingdom. Because isn't it true, like, at least for me, when I'm driving somebody else's car, I'm like super careful with it because I just don't want to, you know, mess it up and because I feel responsible. When I'm driving my own car, I'm like, nah, you know, it's bumper cars, you know, like whatever that is, right? Uh, and, And so I think there's something that happens when we think that we own our own life, but you don't even own your own life. You are a proxy for God who's using you to represent him. But here's the reality, without Christ, it is impossible for you to do it right. But here's what's really beautiful about this is that Jesus, or rather God, from Genesis to the ascension of Jesus has one mission, right? It's the, to the advancement of his image globally, which is why we pray this prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, so watch this. Let's, let's go to Jesus for a second because this is important. Because here it is, we, we fail to be proxies for God to stand in his place. And so Jesus did something very unique. Then Jesus came up and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I'm giving you that authority to take my name and likeness. (laughs) Name, image, and likeness, global. (laughs) Take it Global, go make disciples of all nations. We're taking this thing global again. We're back on track. The mission's going forward. You're going to represent me, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And this is the difference. This is the difference. Before, represent me by proxy. Now, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Did you guys know that if you have the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit cannot be removed from Jesus and the Father? So there's always the Trinity there. And so if you have the Holy Spirit, you have Jesus with you. That's, that you can't separate. It's like you don't, you don't pull out the, the Holy Spirit and you're just like hanging with him for a bit. It's you, if you get the Holy Spirit, you get the Father and the Son too. And so what happens, he goes with you to represent himself. Because, okay, this is, this, I, this is just fun, you know, quiet time humor, which I know Deuteronomy is really funny. So in Deuteronomy 31, Moses is, you know, he's about to die and he's kind of giving his like goodbye speech. And he goes, hey, listen, there's a bunch of blessings that are going to come for you, a bunch of cursings if you don't follow what God has told you. And then he starts mocking the people, which you're just like, he just got old at that point, apparently. He's like, but you're not going to do it. You couldn't even follow God when I was with you. How much more when I'm gone? Oh, man. And he's like, and everyone's like, what do we say to that? Everyone sort of just moves on. 
But that's true, right? You can't. But here's the, be- the beauty of this, is that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, and that's always been part of the plan. Take God's image global, to which everyone's like, okay, got it. I'm going to take his image global, but the way that we do it is God is with his people to bring earth under his authority, to which you're like, I, I guess. What do you mean by that? How, what does that mean for me? I, that, those are words on the screen. I can't apply that at all, but let me, let me help you. Let me help you. If you know that your life is not your own, that you're here to represent Jesus, you are an ambassador, it changes the way you talk. It changes the way you talk about people. Made in God's image even if they voted differently. Okay, all right. So then, so then, it, you, what we're doing is we're trying to help people wrap their head around there's this evil thing going on, on the planet and we have an answer and we act, when we act like the evil, then people aren't in tune with that. Uh, let, me, let me go this route. When I was uh, in the army, my, my dream at, at that time was to go uh, be on a special forces A team. Do you guys know what that is? Other than from like the 80s show? So what you do, what I was planning to do, I was going to go to Columbia. I was going to be part of seventh group. And the uh, only reason was that because I was sort of good at Spanish. And so my plan was to go to Columbia. I'd be part of seventh group. And you were going to go in and be, you know, taking out drug cartels. And the way that you take out drug cartels isn't just uh, direct kinetic action, although that is a way. Uh, in general, the way that you do it is you build resistance up from the local populace that are like beat down under the evil and you resource, you train, you educate, and then they become the ones that sort of, sort of galvanize the, the area and you win the hearts and minds that eventually will then overwhelm the evil. And that is what we're called to do. Do you guys know that we're kind of like, we're the resistance? <laughs> Welcome to training. And out there is a world, right, is a world where they are infused with darkness. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They're constantly trying to figure out their purpose by making it up, wandering around, just trying to make people happy, doing whatever, like, the latest news thing says for them to do, doing whatever people in their sphere of influence have told them to do because that's how they are. Or they're just, they're, they're going to kick down a door and make some money, or they're just swallowing. And so all of a sudden, when we have a joy that isn't, um, battered by circumstance, when we have uh, someone directing our life that is perfect and always has something really exciting for us to do, and we are not driven by the waves of the crowd appeal, then it transforms us, and then we can start moving this gospel proclamation to all nations so that God's image may be represented as was purposed. Um. I was trying to think, when I was in the Army, uh, specifically, I, the way that I did this, because uh, you're like, well, what does that even mean? The way that I did it, and again, everyone has their own unique way, but I'd sort of stick my flag in the ground that I was a Christian. Like, I'd, I'd make that known right off the bat. I'd be like, hey, uh, I'm Chris, and I go to this church, or hey, I'm Chris, and, you know, whenever I was met, or, you know, at, at the time, I'm Lieutenant Pluckenpole, I'm Captain Pluckenpole, I'm a Christian, I would just let everyone know that's just part of who I was. And then people... Eventually, they would mock it sometimes because of, 
of course. But then other times when they hit their point of crisis, they go like, oh, hey, could you, uh, you know, throw a prayer up to the big guy upstairs? You know? uh, and I'd be like, yeah, what's going on? All of a sudden, there I am, because everybody comes to Christ in... Everybody comes to Christ in a crisis. And so because of that, I'd throw up the flag. I'd say, hey, if anybody ever needs anything for prayer, I would, I would be there for them. And then once that door opened, I'd walk through it, and I'd be praying for the people in my unit all the time. And I'd watch door after door after door open. Um, actually, we had a cool moment. I thought this was really neat. And uh, we, do you guys know we have a church softball team? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Highly acclaimed. Church softball team. Now, uh, Todd Davis is our coach. He's, he's sitting over here. And so Todd has no idea I'm about to say this. It's fun. Uh, and uh, so we were playing the church leagues. You know, the church league is a nice league. And we won a lot of games. We lost some games. We won some games. It was, you know, yeah, we had our good days and bad days, all right? But hey, there was one moment we beat the Austin Stone. And it was like a great moment, all right? <laughs> that was a great moment. All right, so... Uh, and so we, 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 we and the one, at one point, Todd goes, hey, how would you guys feel about joining a beer league? And we're like, let's do it. You know, this is a great way to be a witness and all that. And so what we would do back in the church league is after you would play the game, everyone, you know, does a high five thing and, you know, like you're in fifth grade. And then you, and then we'd circle up and we'd pray because we're all Christians. And so that was, it wasn't weird for anybody. Well, as at the end of this first game, uh, we do the, like, we walk by and kind of what's up, what's up, elbows, fists, all that. And then Todd circles everybody up. Hey, would you guys mind if we're going to do something real quick? And I'm sitting, I honestly, Todd probably doesn't know this. I was just like, oh, crud, we're doing this. <laughs> I mean, it was like, I was not really prepared for that. I was thinking, that's kind of weird. Okay, here we go. And then Todd says, hey, one of the things we want to do for you guys is, you know, we're a church and we'd like to pray for you. And he looks at me and this is our pastor. Go ahead. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, what are we praying about tonight? And then like, and this, it's like memory, like, it's like a memory game, because you have to be like, all right, Bob, he has a cousin named Jimmy, and we're praying. Anyway, so we had to go through that. It was neat, but about, for that first, like, seven seconds of silence, it felt like, you know, everyone was just staring at their shoes, and it was just awkward, and, nobody, and thank God somebody just kind of jumped in there, and then it's like, hey, would you pray for my mom? She's sick. And then week after week, we'd pray for these guys, and it became where the other team would say, hey, 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 we, they're going to do something real quick. They're going to do something real quick. They're gonna... and, uh, and so they got everybody around, and then we were going to do something. And so we asked, hey, will we pray for you? What can we pray for you about? And this last game that we actually won. Maybe because we bought them a case. Uh, before... No, I'm kidding. We did, not do... we did not do that. We did not do that. Although... Uh, I have thought about that. All right, so what, what, is, what happened is we, we, they got, the guy, before we started to pray, one guy just goes, I'll never forget this. He's like, I just really appreciate what y'all are doing. It means a lot to us. And I thought, and I, I, at first I was like, why? Because you were made in the image of God. Yeah. And every now and then, when there's a window into what that looks like, it feels like home. So when you represent him in your workplace, in your school, in your social sphere of influence, it changes the temperature of the building or in the freezing cold outside. 
So my hope for you is that we would start to live on purpose. So my question for you is, are you living on purpose? And if you're not a Christian, it's impossible for you to live on purpose because you can't represent someone you don't know. In fact, maybe you grew up in church, but you have not had a church experience type thing. And I want, I want you to know that, that mental assent to a God does not equal salvation. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. But salvation comes the day when you recognize that you've been doing damage to the God's image in other people and even in yourself, and God ain't happy with that. And you say, I've sinned in my thoughts, in my words, my actions. And then you go simply, Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you rose to the dead. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. And it happens. When you transfer trust from you, from the world, from the abyss to Jesus, your salvation is secure. Now, if you have been a Christian, (laughs) and you're like, well, last night wasn't so good. I did a lot of damage to the image of God. In me and in others, and this past week, I want you to know that there is still hope. That Jesus, it wasn't like a one-time deal, like get yourself saved and then the rest of your life you're on your own. No, no, it's a, it's a constant like communion connection with him. That's why we do something called the Lord's Supper or aka communion. And what we do is we come before God and we confess the darkness of our heart and then he makes us new again. So we're gonna take communion, but before we do that, this is for uh, believers. If you're a Christian, this is what we do. We're going to take 30 seconds and we're just going to pray and ask God to reveal in our hearts that there's anything that's standing between us and him. 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You are self-deceived. If you go, no, I'm good. You're self-deceived. Just, if you don't have anything, just pray, God, I'm self-deceived right now. Reveal it to me. Okay. But God is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the hope that we have. So, Um, We're going to take 30 seconds. We're going to pray. If you are not a Christian, this is the time to say, God, reveal yourself to me. Or maybe you'd say, Jesus, you died on the cross for me and you rose from dead. I accept it. Take 30. Imagine just for a second what it would look like instead of just spiraling in purposelessness. You had hope in Jesus beyond circumstance. Imagine being, achieving goals and having something more to do that was beyond you and your ability. Imagine not just being, searching out for the approval of people, but the approval of the one who made you. Imagine how that would transform you, your family, this church, and that city. It would change everything. Would you receive the benediction? Go. Go and be a people who are moved to represent the image of God, to take his image to the globe, to let people know that there is hope beyond darkness. Go and push back that darkness and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.